Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. I'm Missy Stevens. I'm a mom and dot 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 writer, child advocate, and this week, really failed multitasker. And I'm Suzanne Kearns. I'm a mom and dot 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 writer, LGBTQ ally. And today, after weeks of being a gas line trench digger and filler, I am now a plumbing line trench digger. And don't don't even ask and and never, never, never get a deck. Um, Today, we are thrilled to have Morgan Seaman on the show. Morgan is a mom and dot 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 certified master life coach, respected speaker and founder of This Empowered Mom Coaching and Consulting, where she is a lifeline to mothers who are leaders in their field. She specializes in helping women rediscover four domains of self, self-management, self-agency, self-compassion, and self-care so that they can make decisions from a place of confidence and start feeling empowered again. Morgan is the mother of two kiddos under 10 and has a degree in psychology from Whittier College and spent 16 years as a leader in clinical research industry. Welcome, Morgan. Thank you. Thank you. So excited to have you here. So we've been following you on social media for a while. We know a little Mm -hmm. bit about you, but for our listeners who maybe don't know you yet, can you tell us a little bit about your career journey and how it turned itself into this empowered mom? Sure. Happy to do that. I think my journey to coach actually started when I was in college. I have a distinct memory of running on the track with my best friend and saying, you know, it'd be really cool to be a life coach. And then snuffing that out (laughs) and uh, thinking I'll take a year off and then I'll go get my PhD and do research and teaching. And in between um, graduating and that one year, I was fortunate enough to get a position in the clinical research industry and I worked in patient recruitment. So you hear those advertisements, do you have da 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 and you're feeling sad? There may be a clinical trial opportunity for you. Um, And we produced those. Yeah, we produced (laughs) those ads. And so I really enjoyed it. I loved the science. I found a great company here in Austin and continued that career uh, up until the time I had kids. And then I had my daughter and said on my first day home from the hospital, I don't know how I'm going to have to go back to work. I can't do it. I was crying. And I knew I always wanted to work and be a mom. And so I continued along with my career in the eight years that I had kids. I had more career growth than ever before. I went from a research associate and training manager up to director of our department. And I think that that's because I did it in a way I wouldn't do again. I was really hard on myself. Uh, Learning more about the fifth trimester, I realized I wasn't ready to go back. And I often said, I wish people didn't know me before I was a mom because I can't keep this up. Oh, yeah. And I tried so hard and probably mm-hmm. overcompensated so that people wouldn't say, oh, she's just a mom or she's not as sharp as she was before she had kids. Mm-hmm. And 
too much of that will get you crying in your closet on Thanksgiving after you spent the morning working when you didn't really want to be working. So I really had a turning point then and realized, you know what? I love being a mom. I love working. I love my team. And I don't want for anyone else to completely lose that sense of self and to do it in a way that feels so hard. And so, you know, constricting and conflicting to really feel like you're doing a 180 whenever there's a sick day, like, what am I going to do? Both options seem totally stressful and will send me Mm -hmm. into a spiral. So I decided to pivot completely, go back to that dream I had in college. And I started this empowered mom after working with a coach and working with counselors and really taking care of my own mental health and well-being so that I can give back to the other women. Because I truly believe that when moms and women are in leadership in the workforce, we can and we will and we are changing the world. Yeah. Yes. And I love what you said. I never really thought about it that way, about you wish that people didn't know you before you were a mom. (laughs) Because I kind of think about, oh, no, when you're trying to go back, you want to like put on your best face and let them know how ambitious and whatever you are. But yeah, if I went back to my job that I left 15 years ago and they were expecting me to be the me I was back then, you're right. I would not want them to remember that. I would want a whole bunch (laughs) of fresh new people. (laughs) Yeah, right. She is gone. And it's, yeah, Yeah, it's interesting to think how the episode we recorded last week was about establishing your values and (gasps) really getting set around those and how those can change over time. And yeah, there, I think uh, it's almost flipped from what it was back, you Mm -hmm. know, 15, 20 years ago for me. So that's really interesting. Oh, so now some of the stuff that we loved just from researching you and learning Mm -hmm. about your services is your emphasis on helping women, stay-at-home moms, working moms, own their confidence, find their confidence, yeah. and then be confident about their confidence. Yeah. And the probably the least confident I have ever felt, I'm over it kind of now, but <laughs> I remember the first holiday party of my husband's, his work holiday party. My daughter was probably about six months old or so by then. And, you know, all these fabulous people with fabulous careers that come up and ask you, oh, and what do uh, you do? And you just want to run away. And you usually answer with, a, oh, I used to, or mm-hmm. the worst thing I'm you can answer. I'm on a break from. Yeah. Or the yeah. very worst thing is just, oh, I'm just a mom. Oh, Which I'm like, exactly. why do you even say that. I mean, first of all, even if you are, quote unquote, just a mom, yay, what a fabulous choice (laughs) in your life. I mean, that's amazing. Um, So I hate that we say it in that way, like it's a shameful thing. You know, that's the whole point of mom and dot, 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 is that Mm -hmm. you're so much more, even when you are just a mom, you're so much more than just Mm -hmm. a mom. So you're never just a mom. Yeah, exactly. So I would love to know how you work with your clients to, you know, help craft that story and being really intentional with a response about what do you do instead of just deflating yourself before anybody else can even get to the point of judging you. Right, right, right. Well, the first thing is you, you hit it right there. Completely avoid the word just because we are more than just anything. When I call someone to say hi, and I say, I just called to say hi, then I would hang up the phone. 
And I don't. <laughs> I don't. I actually call to say a lot more than that. Um, oh so, my God. I love that so much. <laughs> so, I just Okay, fine. I'm just emailing to remind you. No, we're, we always want to do more than that. So eliminating the just and owning who we are. We work on coming up with one really grandiose idea, you know, because we're more than what's on our CV or what isn't on our CV. And I like to look at that question as an opportunity for a conversation. If that's what you want, sometimes you do just want to shut her down or and you want to walk away and like, I don't want to talk to this person. But (laughs) if you truly want to engage, what are you doing? In addition to being a mom, you know, are you project managing five different schedules? Are you uh, running an estate? Are you keeping five humans alive? (laughs) Uh, And kind of thinking really, really big picture to what is it that you are doing day in and day out. Um, Mine, I haven't been to a party in a long time, um, (laughs) is that I'm a lifeline. So what does that mean? That immediately invites another question so that I can have a discussion with whoever that is about what does that mean versus Mm -hmm. I'm a coach. Oh, okay. Bye. I don't want to be coached. Get out of my brain. (laughs) Or people so confused Um, about what the idea of a coach is and they're like, well, I'm not even going there. Right. Exactly. So Thinking of that one statement, even as, you know, as grandiose as you can get, I'm an astronaut, really? Well, yeah, I'm always climbing to new heights and trying to get out of the universe, uh, out of my house, you know, and then paring it down. But knowing that the goal is not necessarily to pigeonhole yourself into a title, but to really look at it as an invitation to talk about what you do as a human, um, where you're passionate. I love that. And you talk a lot about crafting that story by assessing not just what you're doing, but your skills. And it's really hard, I think, sometimes introspectively to look at and say, what are my skills? We have that self-deprecating, I don't really have any skills. I've already done it (laughs) twice today, I think, like, I'm not a good multitasker, whatever. So can you walk us through how you get clients to understand what their skills are and then own it? Yes, I like to think of skills in a lot of different buckets. And where we start in our work is what are your life skills? So I love lists and my clients learn to love them also. (laughs) And so we make a list of accomplishments. That is a challenge for them to come up with a list of their accomplishments beyond the big bucket accomplishments that society tells us are accomplishments. So Sure, yes, you went to college. Yes, you graduated, you bought a house, you got married, whatever. But what else? Um, for me, I um, had three pregnancies and two successful births. I made it through miscarriage and came out on the other side okay and, mm-hmm. and healed. I can run three miles without stopping. Like for me, is huge. Those, are, those are accomplishments. So really thinking outside of the box and then also working on a list of your superpowers. So what are the things that people come to you and ask for help on or thank you for, or ask for your advice and the things that uh, you really think are your superpowers? What can you do in any domain of life that not many other people can and really crafting those lists because those are the things that are so you and so you will believe them 
Yeah, um, that kind of gave me butterflies. <laughs> I always have a butterfly moment every show, <laughs> but I think we don't like to think of our superpowers, or I don't. Maybe there are mm-hmm. people who are like, yeah, but <laughs> it's really hard for me to think about that. But there are certain things that people in my life will say, could you help me with this? I feel like this is your skill set. And it always shocks me every time. I'm like, oh, they think I can do that. I can do it, but I can't believe they also think I can do it. Um, (laughs) But that's pretty, it's really nice to think about having it in a list and starting to put words around it and that you can lock that down in your brain. And so there's our self-assessment, but that can be really hard for people who maybe are a little self-deprecating or just have never really taken the time to think about it. And I know I've read things before and you just mentioned it to, you know, go to the people who know you best and ask them, you know, okay, what do you think of as my skills? But, you know, sometimes women or maybe just me can be really bad at taking a compliment. And I'm guessing what they're going to tell you are your superpowers. They're all going to be what you would consider compliments. Um, So, for those and for other areas in our life, like how can we get better at that? I mean, what's the, what's the proper way to, you know, socially, since we're all kind of losing our social graces, <laughs> just remind us, like, how do you, what's the proper way to how do you literally do that with compliment? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then once you get past the actual social interaction part of it, how do you let that soak in and not just be like, oh yeah, they were just, you know, they were just trying to be nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So with compliments, I like to start with what we typically do and then work to what the ideal way to accept a compliment. So I, in my experience and my own receiving compliments realized I didn't actually accept them. I received them. And there are four kind of go-to methods that we have the, the denial. Oh no, I, that was just, Mm -hmm. that was nothing. Or the overshare where someone says, Oh, I love that shirt. And then they know that you got it at target four years ago and it was on sale and you can help (laughs) them find it on Poshmark. Maybe they have it. Um, or the insult where you insult yourself like, Oh, it's just because I haven't been to the gym in forever. I must've just had a powerful moment. Um, or the forced return where we feel like we can't accept it without giving a compliment back. And those are all deflections. We completely turn that compliment instead of taking it, accepting it, we turn it off. We get the attention away from us so that we can get out of that really uncomfortable spotlight. Mm -hmm. And, and if we practice simply saying, thank you and letting a couple seconds go by, then we give ourselves space to actually think about what somebody just shared with us, what a gift they gave Mm -hmm. us. And we in turn give them the gift of accepting that compliment. So they are not wondering like, well, gosh, does she think I didn't mean this? I meant it. I wouldn't have said Mm -hmm. it. Um, So it goes both ways, that gift of truly accepting a compliment. I was expecting like this big old script that we were going to have to memorize, but no, it's just, no. thank you. Just that, just, it's that <laughs> you can easy. work on, you can work on thank you. And of course, if in that moment you do want to share where you got the shirt, then go ahead and continue that conversation after you have allowed yourself to really think about that compliment and accept it and then do the yeah. share because we do love to share. Right. Yes. right. I mean, that's yeah. how conversation works. I think right, like we, right. none of us have done it in a while, but um, I think we've heard a lot just culturally in the last few years, we hear a lot. No is a complete sentence, yes. but 
thank you is also a complete sentence. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I really love that, that we can say thank you and take a beat. Yeah. Take a beat. We're going to practice on each other, Missy. (laughs) It's not my skill set. I like your shirt. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't it feel natural? (laughs) I really, really want to tell you about this shirt and how the cuffs are itchy right now. But I won't. Oh yeah, we'll keep we'll keep practicing. Yeah, we'll keep practicing. It's hard not to watch yeah. into the I'm a big deflector. Like ugh, but this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. the other thing I think that helps is to find that five-year-old version of yourself. That little girl who if somebody told her that she what, could jump really high or that she jumped rope so many times or her chalk drawing was beautiful, she accepted that and then continued to do more chalk drawings or practice her jump roping rather than yes. completely deflecting it. And we wanted to. Or you know, twirl that dress. Twirl that dress, sing that song as loud as she possibly could, you know, in the school play. Yeah. and. And we lose that because we, you know, we get older and we have experiences where maybe somebody does tell us not to sing as loud as we were. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have to listen to those voices. We really don't. Our five-year-old wants to be nurtured. You know, she wants to, to twirl the dress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a confidence issue, I think, a lot. And you talk about going from that conflicted to confidence and we've talked a little bit about it already, about how you can take steps to move forward that. But how do you help clients move to that place of confidence? I'm asking for, you know, a friend. Okay, just <laughs> a friend. Um, Someone. You know, I think that a few of the areas where we feel conflicted and usually where it stems from is when we think that there is only one option. There's a good choice and a bad choice or yeah. the right choice and the wrong choice. And usually that is coming from somebody or something or some message telling us what we should be doing. And those shoulds are so insidious. And we, we also we say it to our kids, you know, you should really go to bed or you should clean your room. And, and sometimes they're intentional, but when we're using them with ourselves, they're usually laced with judgments and don't leave room for anything in the middle and often represent someone else's standards that may not even be our own. So we work on getting clear with what is it that you want? You know, what do you want the outcome to be? And I actually and do this with my, with my kids too. And my little one tells me to get out of her brain. Um, <laughs> but, like, you invited me, by the way. Um, <laughs> But thinking about what you want and realizing that there is some room in the middle. So for me, when I was in uh, my corporate career and one of my kids was sick, that would send me into a spiral. Like, well, I have to be at work and I have to be at home, even though my husband has said he can be at home. I need to be in both places because that's how everybody will get what they want and need, Mm -hmm. except for me. Mm-hmm. And realizing that in, in being at work, maybe in that moment, I am doing what I want. I am serving my family. And my daughter, who is at home sick, is now getting some bonding time with her dad when normally I swoop in and take that all away. So everybody's needs were being met once I realized or could think that 
you know, I actually do want to be at work. I do want to work on that project that I am so close to finishing and that's okay. It's okay to want to be at work. And then three weeks later in another ear infection, maybe then what I want is to be able to be at home and to be able to say, you know, work can wait today. What I want is to be at home. And that's big, that's advanced. Yeah, that's one of the things that we've been talking a lot about uh, across episodes is like figuring out what we want, whether it be in an individual moment or a situation or bigger picture for our entire careers and our lives. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. how do you work with your clients and and coach women to to figure out what they want and to listen to that? I think that really the first step is asking the question. So I don't know when the last time anyone really has asked me, Morgan, what do you want? So we've got to ask ourselves. And so even talking to somebody, you know, having a a call with a friend and asking, what do you want versus, oh, what do you need? What can I get for you? What do you want? Mm -hmm. and leaving space to even think about it, to know that what we want even matters. Yes, that's really huge because I, I think women in general, I say this a lot, but I think we're raised to put everyone else's needs first and a nice girl would not Mm -hmm. put herself first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you get into this life where you have a family and a career or some passion that you're trying to grow, whether it's a hobby or a art or whatever it is. And you put it all on the back burner because if you were to say, I want Mm -hmm. to excel at this and it's going to take me two hours a day, it just feels dirty almost. And then you stop knowing what you want. You stop thinking about what you want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's about what, what should I want? What should I be doing? Mm -hmm. Uh, What would a good mom be doing? What would a good career woman be doing? What would a good stay at home mom be doing? Would she Mm -hmm. leave the house or would she, you know, be home with her kids? Would she let them watch screens? I I didn't watch screens with my whole first maternity leave. And then my second one, I binged watch so many shows. (laughs) This is so much better. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm getting some brain downtime. You know, my daughter is still sleeping, like to let myself even entertain that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so reframing those shoulds is so helpful. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to reframe them. I like to keep it simple. So you don't have to memorize a big script here either. Um, <laughs> but every time there is a should think and reframe it to, I would love to, I would like to, or I could. So if it's cleaning the house, I should clean the house. <laughs> I would love to clean the house maybe sometimes I would like to clean the house. Mm -hmm. I could clean the house. And suddenly when you could clean the house versus you should clean the house, it really introduces an option. And then you can think, well, what, what's going to happen if I don't clean the house? Will there Mm -hmm. still be food on the table? Will we all still have a couch to sit on and bed to sleep in? Um, Yeah. Will the house be dirty? Yeah. You know, for how long can I handle that? When does that bump up against the boundary or one of my values? Um, Yeah. And, and I love that. And sometimes what 
we realize and what my clients realize and what I realize is some of our shoulds are actually things we want to do, like wrapping presents. I will get wrapped around the axle at Christmas time or birthdays about wrapping presents. And I realized, gosh, I actually like to do that. So when I think about it as something I like to do instead of something that someone's telling me I've got to do, it's much more empowering and more fun. Yeah, that is interesting. Because, yeah, sometimes just because it has the word should in front of it, it makes something that you actually enjoy doing seem like a task instead of something mm-hmm. like, no, I, this is fun. I actually don't mind this. Right. Yeah. I know. I just had this revelation about like organizing the piles and piles and years of pictures. It's been a should for a really long time. And I, I do like doing that. So I need to reframe it. Like, yes. Ah, uh, just had you a... get to, you get, <laughs> I to, can do get to. to, yeah, I, yeah, I could do that and I could enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And so, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm digging this idea of the, what do you want and digging down on that deeper? Like mm-hmm. when you're working, I, I know people got to go to you as a coach if they want to get the real nitty gritty, but oh. as an example, <laughs> as yeah. an example, if you're sitting down for a session, would it be like, okay, you have a choice between is A and B and you kind of feel between those two options. Yeah, you know, it's either stay at home mom or you go to work. Like, okay, you know, is it a gut feeling of how each of those things feel? Or is, are you guys working on pros and cons lists? Like if someone's working this at home and really trying to get a little bit more focus um, Mm -hmm. from all the stuff that's spinning around in their heads, you know, some shoulds and some also want tos and trying to just Mm -hmm. filter through Mm -hmm. all those. Mm -hmm. What are some helpful exercises that people can do? Like I said earlier, I love lists. I tend to stay away from pros and cons and I do pros and pros because it helps to eliminate again, that dualistic thinking that one is good and one is bad. And so if somebody is thinking about re-entering the workforce and there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of thoughts and feelings that go into that decision, looking at what are the benefits of me continuing to stay home and making that my full-time job, being the CEO of my household and the one keeping my kids alive. And what are the pros of me going back to the workforce? Because no matter what, each of those options is going to have some uncomfortable stuff. I mean, Mm. that's life. It's not always unicorns and rainbows if you've made the right choice. So looking at pros and pros, I think is really helpful and keeps things in a space where if you choose one, you're not going to always wonder like, well, is that the right choice? I mean, you may Mm -hmm. still wonder that, uh, but you haven't set yourself up to wonder that. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're both viable options. Yeah. And um, so pros and pros lists. I just think it's really huge to realize that you said they're both viable options. And I think that's something that we talk ourselves out of. Like one of these is viable and one of these is crazy town. So <laughs> I've got to figure out which that is. And it, that's not necessarily the case. We like for life to be black and white like that, but life is not it's not like that. It doesn't work in this binary thing all the time. And so yeah, they could both work. So what's good about what do you you want to make work right now? 
I'm mm-hmm. such a right decision mm-hmm. kind of person. I mean, you saw how long it took me. I'm just, just trying to pick a color for a fire table on our new deck. <laughs> and you would think I was choosing which one of my kids to throw into a volcano. <laughs> it was just like so much was riding on making this right decision. And I just... I mean, no wonder I get stressed out about the real decisions in my life. I can't even choose the color of a fire table. I mean, so yeah, it's just interesting about getting rid of this wrong decision. I mean, it's fine. If you choose a color that's not like exactly the color you want, you got a fire table. You're fine. It's okay. Well, yeah, right. And that's not permanent. I mean, you Mm -hmm. could, if you wanted to, save up to get another fire table if you absolutely could not stand the color mm-hmm. you still have an option mm-hmm. you know? and I think with women who are looking to make career changes that also becomes difficult you know we hear this grass is greener and then nobody wants to be labeled as somebody who thinks the grass is greener but we can go check out that grass and then we can go back across the fence and mm-hmm. it's not failure or even if it is failure is part of success. You know, you don't get those amazing feelings of success without the uncomfortable feelings of failure and to, to get more comfortable with failing. You know, I left a job and went to a biotech company and then hated it. And I went back to my old job and there was a lot of of work I had to do on myself and and be okay with that and not look at it as here I am crawling back with my tail between my legs. No, Mm -hmm. here I am with more experience to offer uh, and I'm going to be an even more valuable asset to my company now that I've gotten this other experience, but it took a while to get there. Yeah. yeah. And for people who are considering career changes, I just love Jenny Blake um, and her pivot method. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the book mm-hmm. or her podcast, um, yeah. but this idea of, you know, just taking these little incremental baby steps instead of, okay, maybe you're not fully going to switch jobs, but maybe you go to a seminar on this particular mm-hmm. job that you're thinking of switching to, or you go shadow someone for a day. So is that something that you encourage women to do kind of these little baby pivots before they make a big jump or the, just leap <laughs> blindly oh, in faith or like, <laughs> yeah, what are, how, what's your approach or what do you see that's uh, been a really successful for some of your clients? I think it depends on the magnitude of of the change or the transition. But I I am a proponent of baby steps and bite-sized chunks. So identifying the goal, maybe the big outcome or the big transformation, and then really making it tangible in terms of you know all the five senses. This is my goal. I will reach it by X date, and I will know I have reached it because I will have the book in my hand because I will have the new job because I will be on the beach on that vacation that I let myself have. And then making a list of all of the obstacles, just getting them all out there and then coming up with the strategies for those obstacles, because we know our brain's going to do it. We're going to throw up any obstacle we can because change is uncomfortable. Um, And taking some of those baby steps are part of the strategies to overcoming the obstacles. So Mm. if somebody's interested in re-entering the workforce and they don't even know where to begin, 
getting on LinkedIn, first step, you know, creating that profile, even if you don't put anything on there right away and you have it and you're using it as a way to even look at what's out there. That's a big step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's also uh, a measurable step. It's not one that sends you off the cliff. You know, it's not the leap without the safety net and it's still forward progress. So a long way to answer your question. Yes, uh, baby steps and bite-sized chunks and strategies working toward that larger goal. I have a really hard time with it and maybe other people do too. Like, I feel like I either need to be doing everything or it's not worth it. And so I really love retraining our brains and our souls to understand Mm -hmm. if you're doing something, you're moving forward and it doesn't all have to happen this week. Like this week's goal is to get a job. Like It doesn't have to be like that. Right. In that white space, you know, that time where we don't have everything perfectly planned out is also really important in achieving an outcome that we want, because that is where some of our best ideas come from. It's not necessarily when I have on my calendar, I don't put come up with life-changing idea and then it happens. (laughs) That would be be a little overwhelming. That's how I work with my clients. It's amazing. Um, (laughs) But to have that white space, to allow yourself to think and create and Mm -hmm. to reflect, that is also forward progress. Yeah, I love that. I know. I'm I'm going to like the Anne Lamott bird by bird. I use Uh that. I I use that with my son all the time. Whenever something seems like really big, a big project for people who have not read Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird, the story is essentially like, I think it was her brother when they were little had put off this project, you know, this big school project about all the birds in the Northwest or whatever until the night before. And he's (laughs) panicking because like, oh my God, you know, there's just, there's no way I'm going to get this project done. And the dad's response was, well, I guess you just take it bird by bird. <laughs> like you just, it's just one, one at a time. I mean, start with started. the blue jay and then, you know, you'll get to the next one. And so I use that with my kids a lot when something seems really overwhelming. And I use it for myself too. Where it's just like, okay, yeah, this, like this never ending yard project we have going on. Mm-hmm. My bird last week was the gas line trench and now it's the plumbing issues. And <laughs> But it's okay because, you know, the, the gas line bird, it's all done. Mm-hmm. I know it's yeah. possible. We'll just So we'll just take one issue at a time. And so, yeah. yeah, it applies to so many areas of your life. But career, for some reason, just always seems so big. So seems so yeah. big. And I want to talk a little bit about people in our lives who don't understand the bird by bird concept, don't understand the tiny steps, the incremental goals. And so there's a lot of pressure from outside to finish the thing or get the job or whatever it is. Is there a way you help clients or that you could help us (laughs) um, (laughs) answer that and say, this is what I'm doing and why? Does that make sense? I feel like I'm talking in circles. No, it does. It's a great question. And one I haven't, um, I haven't thought of it in that way. And again, it comes from that need where we feel like we have to explain ourselves where, Mm -hmm. you know, thank you isn't an acceptable response to a compliment. We, there's this need and pressure from outside to constantly be explaining ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. 
I mean, through role playing, through thinking, what's the worst that can happen? You know, if this is where I am and if this is what I'm doing, is there a reason that I feel I need to justify it right now? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And if there is, okay. It may not even be the external person. You may be interpreting it as someone doing that where you're actually (laughs) doing all the work in your head. Um, That's so true. Assuming that, you know, they're demanding this of you. I mean, it's, you may just have someone in your life, not you necessarily, but you as in the right. listenership may right. have someone who is truly demanding and truly mm-hmm. not accepting of choices and stuff you make. But I just speaking for myself, most of my people are pretty darn understanding and more understanding of things than I am. And I'm probably mm-hmm. making some assumptions on their part a lot of the time. But yeah, what's the worst could happen? I think it's such an interesting exercise. I love that you bring that up. And maybe if someone does actually ask you that, I mean, that's something you could throw back at them. Like, what is actually the problem of me doing it this way? What are you you worried about me doing it this way for? What's going to happen to you? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I've made peace with this. What is this to you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think leaving that space for questions and and trying not to assume, which is so challenging. And so Brene Brown says, you know, the story I'm writing in my head. Yes. And we are always writing stories. Our brain loves stories. And even to come out and say, when somebody is questioning you, you know, the story I'm writing in my head is that the way that I am approaching this problem isn't what you were expecting. Can you tell me more? Try uh-huh. to understand where the questions are coming from before assuming that they're totally you know, disagreeing with your, right. with your trajectory and your plan and understanding a little bit more about where those questions are coming from may mm-hmm. help with the response. Ooh, I think that's great. Because I think a lot of times the questions are coming from a genuine interest in what you're doing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just wanting to know where it is and just wanting to have something to talk about, maybe. Like they know a thing about you. So they're like, oh, I know you're looking for a job. What's the status? And instead Mm -hmm. of thinking, oh, they want to know why I don't have a job yet. Maybe just think, (laughs) oh, the story probably is that's just the question they chose to ask me right now. (laughs) Yes. I know we have to give everybody a little grace as we go back into the world because there probably are going to be some clunky discussions and question (laughs) and answers that just like, sorry, this is, I forgot how to ask questions and make a conversation. What do you do for a job? (laughs) How much money do you make? Yeah. (laughs) What do you, how do you have all of this stuff in the pandemic? I don't understand. Um, You know what I think too? If someone has gone through and really thought about what they want and what they want is driving their process and their process is to take things a step at a time, a day at a time Mm -hmm. um, to practice talking about that. You know, when somebody asks, give them the full answer, whether it's what they wanted or not, Give up. You don't know. We don't know. They asked. So they they invited the response, whether they're the lady at the grocery store or your boss. It is an opportunity to promote yourself, uh, which I know is so cringy, um, Mm. but to have some some agency, you know, to have that self agency to say, yeah, this is my process. This is what I'm doing right now. Uh, It's working for me. What questions do you have or or what are your thoughts? Oh, that's great. That's a great okay. little script. That is a 
a little script to memorize. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Remember, That's... like I can say this. <laughs> yeah. There's a few more words than thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I can do that. But yeah, we really do have to think about it and role play it and be prepared, especially now that we're all going back into social situations. I talked to more people over Memorial Day weekend than I had talked to in 18 months, probably. And it was hard. <laughs> it was hard. And many times I, I was like, oh, yeah. people, conversation. I mean, my foot is going to be in my mouth so many times. Those yes, first mine was. Few interactions, just like I just have forgot how to make words into sentences. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we're got... all there. Yeah, it's, it's a lived experience. I love that we're all riding the same storm. Maybe not in the same boat, which I think is really important to remember. Mm -hmm. You know, my situation is so much different than you know than somebody else's. Yeah, uh, but we're all in the same storm. We've for the most part, we've been stuck in a house with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is for sure. Yeah, and uh, we've learned to talk in a very specific way to our family. <laughs> like our family communicates. It's not always perfect, but we communicate and have learned how to do it in these 18 months. But I can't go out in the world and do that. No, it's very nonverbal and caveman-y at times. Like we <laughs> yes. just kind of... I mean, there's so many assumed, like we know what the, you know, mm -hmm. just the habits and the things that we all do on a daily basis are. So yeah, you don't even have to discuss it. Like, yes, oh. you're in the kitchen now. I know exactly what you're going to put mm -hmm. in that bowl. Mm -hmm. And then I know it's going to happen. And we don't need to talk about it because it's the same thing you've done the past 15 months. I seriously held up a coffee mug and pantomimed the microwave buttons and Mark took my cup and put it in the microwave and heated up my coffee for me this morning. I said zero words. I was in mid thought, like typing a thing. I did not want to break it. And it was just like, this is cold. But he knew exactly what I was saying. Oh my God. My husband was playing, he plays these video games at night with guys in England and then also some in Seattle. But he was trying to be really nice and he was handing me his bourbon, like to take a sip of it while I was going up to bed. And so I took a sip, but then I realized it was a big sip. And so I was like, I better put some more in it. So I went and put some more in it and brought it back to him and, you know, went up to bed, whatever. And the next day, the first thing he said when I woke up, he's like, you realize I wasn't handing you that to say, go fill this, right? <laughs> like he thought, I knew what he was doing. He was like, here, have a drink. But have a drink. He, he had spent the right, he's like, I couldn't even concentrate like on the rest of the night because I was like, she thought I was like handing her this to like fill it. Fill, fill it my drink, me. wench. Yeah, that story. That story he wrote in his head about what you were doing with his bourbon. She wants me to have more bourbon. She thinks I need more bourbon. She thinks I'm the kind of husband that would ask his wife to fill the bourbon. I'm just the kind of wife that took too big of a swing. Right. A yeah. <laughs> okay. Now that we're getting a little goofy, that probably means it is time yeah. for the look list. But before time. we do that, uh, we want to make sure that people know where to find you yes. for more information. Oh. So what of is the best course. way for people to hook up with you? Well, that sounded inappropriate. What's the best oh, way? For... It's a different website. <laughs> was the right. And after 18 months in the house you. with the same people, maybe we want to go to that website too. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so I am on the various social media channels. I'm on Instagram, um, LinkedIn. So for anybody who's looking to get back in the workforce, I, you know, find me on LinkedIn, love to connect with you there. And then my website, which is www.thisempoweredmom.com. 
um, has information about ways to work with me through one-on-one -on -one coaching. I've got a sustainable self-care masterclass coming up at the end of June. So lots of opportunities there. Oh, wonderful. Right. And we'll have links to all of those yes. in the show notes on yes, the we website. Will. Okay. So yes, now it's time for the look, listen, learn segment Yay. where we eat, share something that we've been watching, reading, listening to, or learning that we want to share with listeners. So Morgan, would you like to kick things off? Uh, sure. I have two. I have one that I'm reading and oh, she's right here. I'm rereading Brene Brown's I Thought It Was Just Me, But It Isn't. Oh. Making a journey from what will people think to I am enough. So I love this. It's one of her early, early works on shame. I was going to say, I don't think I've heard of that I've never one. read that one. You're doing deep cuts. Okay, cool. And yeah, the deep cuts. It's when she still has all of her <laughs> uh, letters on her name because she wasn't quite yet Brene Brown. Um, but uh, I love it. It's got, you know, so much good information and lots and lots of information and stories from women. So I love mm. reading the stories of other women. Yeah. So that's my kind of my homework ebook. And I am watching Younger. I don't know if you are familiar I with Younger. Love Younger. I love Younger too. I've never heard of it. Oh my gosh. It's, uh, it's so good. It is the story of a woman who stays home to raise mm -hmm. her daughter and then wants to re-enter the workforce. And because she is 40, she cannot uh, get hired. So she completely reinvents herself as a 26 year old. Can you um, imagine? Oh no. <laughs> oh, it's I mean, so good. And it's I spend half of every episode going, I could never pass. My hands alone would give me away. I, I could <laughs> never pass for my twenties. No, um, but it's so good. It's coming to an end. It's probably the mm -hmm. first series that I've watched in real time oh. in the last six years. That's what I binged on my last maternity leave. Oh. I watched the whole first season in two days and, and then I got hooked <laughs> and now it's coming to an end. So I love it. Um, it's so sweet. And for anyone who watches it, you'll have to let us know if you're team Josh or team Charles. Ooh, now, is that a Netflix or a Hulu or where's that? It's on Paramount now, which is oh. interesting. Uh, I used to get it on it's TV land. So for people that have cable, I don't, mm -hmm. but it was TV yeah. land and I used to get it on Amazon and now it's exclusively on Paramount. So. That's right. Uh, well, we will find it and we're yeah. going to put links to it in the show notes so people don't have to do the same investigation. The same, as you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so it's those are fun. mine. Yeah, it is super, it's super cute. Oh, fun. Okay. What about you, Missy? Um, well, let's see. I have some random ones this week. I feel like I and most of America watched the Friends reunion. Yes, oh, we just watched yes. it yesterday. Did you watch it? Yeah. So my husband and I, when we were dating, we watched the very first episode live on TV. And we were like, ah, I think we'll watch it again. And little did we know it would be like a part of the cultural experience of our whole world for the next decade um so we made a date night of it and we're like we have to watch this since we watched the first episode together um there were some parts of it that made me sort of sad i won't go into too many details but some of the actors made me a little sad oh i think um, i can clarify a little bit of this because i googled it were you worried about chandler yeah real worried I guess he had a dental procedure that morning. I Googled that too. I don't know yeah. if that's true or not because I was right. I was a little worried about him health wise too. And in some clips, it was clearly those were not his teeth. 
um, like in the early parts where they were doing um, like they were on set and they all came back to set and it was just really the six of them on the set. Those, yeah. were, those could not possibly fit his teeth. And oh. uh, I don't know. He just, I didn't get that close. <laughs> we, I made Mark pause. Mark was like, Oh my God. I'm like we got to pause. He's like, you're really hung up on this. And I'm like, he's really not well. It's upsetting. Well, um, you know, I, I sympathize. I do not do well with dental procedures. So if that is truly what happened, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt. And yeah. So, yeah, he did not quite seem himself. But, he didn't yeah, seem himself. That's how I am if I, like, take too many Advil. Like, I just get a little <laughs> out of myself. So, yeah. yeah. So hopefully yeah, he was doing so. well. But, no, it was good. And it, my daughter she like eh, it was a few years ago now where she binged she spent a whole summer i think she watched the entire series three times so yeah. we watched it with her so that oh, was kind of fun. fun but i guess i never truly appreciated what live theater it was yeah i didn't really get that either and it really was it was live theater with the benefit of being able to edit mhm mm but mm -hmm. yeah i guess i just I mean, we grew up with live studio audiences as far as right. the TV shows yeah. we watch. And That's I guess I never really thought about what that meant mm -hmm. um, and what that must be like from a production standpoint and from the actors, the energy they must yeah. get from that yeah. or not get from that if it's a crummy right. audience that night. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that was, that was the most fascinating part to me to really just kind of finally be like, Oh, I wasn't the only one. There was a whole room full of people involved in this. Mm -hmm. It was good, though. Yeah, it was fun to watch. It was very nostalgic for us. I mean, I was immediately transported back to that time in my life. So um, yes. it was fun. I don't know if you can watch it if you don't have HBO Max at this point. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. But, but there's, we'll... I'm sure there's plenty of clips on the Internet for people who just want to kind right. of see the best parts or apparently Chandler's teeth. I got to zoom in. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have to look. Yeah. Go now. see if I'm wrong. But it really looks like he had some sort of um, implant, not an implant, but like a temporary situation in. Mm -hmm. And then but then the nighttime thing that they did with an audience, the Q&A with James Corden, his teeth looked like they were his own at that point. So I don't know if I don't know. Who knows? We'll oh, never know no. the truth. And it's none of our <laughs> business anyway, right? <laughs> I know. But here's the thing. When they talked about a friend's reunion, I thought it was going to be an episode. Me too. And so I was really confused. I'm like, when are they going to stop just talking? And <laughs> so yeah, I, I thought we'd like find out where they all were in their lives. Yeah. So no, I was really confused. But I was actually at the end, very grateful that this mm -hmm. is what it was and not like some weird just one standalone right. episode. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I really good. don't want to see all their kids grown. I don't want to see that. I want to remember them no. as little kids. I don't care. No. Yeah. So that that's my cute. look. And my learn is I'm learning again about how to get rid of fungus gnats. So I have a oh. lot, a lot of plants, enough plants that my family's making fun of me. And it's not quite one of those Instagram accounts that's like solid plants in a room, but it's just... <laughs> There's plants in every room. I mean, at times I get the fungus gnats totally under control. And right now they're just not. What plants not do terrible. they hang out in? Well, they like any 
damp soil. So I try to really make it the max until I water my plants, um, okay. which is not hard for me to do because really my plants have to be sending out like a, Hey, I'm know. dying. I just accidentally skipped a week on my guys. I was like, I'm sorry. And they're probably, they'll be fine. Probably. I mean, it takes a lot with the exception of, I have a nerve plant. I don't know if either of you have ever had a nerve plant. No. Um, oh, no. It's super cute, really cute leaves, but it is a diva. And so it will look like, hey, I'm sort of thirsty. And the next day it's like, well, I'm dead. Oh. <laughs> it goes straight from, I maybe Dramical. need a drink too. <laughs> it's such a pain. So I've been rehabbing this teeny tiny, I basically killed it. And so I was oh. able to find two little roots that were still okay. And I've been rehabbing it and it's this big right now, but mostly they're okay if you skip a little water so I've I use neem two oil. plants that I have to use distilled water on I have to buy <sighs> distilled water for these oh. two like, your prayer plant one of them yeah, yeah. I yes oh. it's two different versions of a prayer plant and they're yeah mm -hmm. they are the Mariah Carey's of the they're like oh. I need my green M&Ms and my <laughs> distilled <laughs> water they have a writer. <laughs> I have a girlfriend who has a prayer plant and she just decided she wasn't treating it like that. She's like, if you're going to live here, you're going to have to be like everybody else and just deal with it. Yeah. And hers is happy. So yeah. happy. And she does Mine not give it the fine. distilled water. It lived for two or three months in my house before my mom was like, are you giving that distilled water? And so it's just started getting distilled water now. I should have just been like, no, it was fine. Nope. I trained it to be one of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's adapted. It's adapted. So I don't know. I bought mosquito bits. I'll report back and see if they work, but apparently you can soak the mosquito bits in water and then mosquito strain That kind of sounds like mosquito penises or something. <laughs> just a bag of what bits. It's rated R mosquitoes. Um, it's some sort of, I don't even know what it is. It's not safe for children or pets. So I can't use it in my plants that are lower, but anything up high, apparently I can kind of make mosquito bit water and water them with that. And then you can sprinkle some on the top. I wonder if those are what, I thought it was my uh, compost bin that was causing trouble. And it probably was my compost bin that was causing trouble. But we did the apple cider vinegar thing mm -hmm. where we, we just those. like, yep. yeah, which is kind of so bizarre, like why they would be attracted to that. I drink an apple cider vinegar tea every morning and it's, it's not so something that I just would <laughs> dive into and risk my life for. <laughs> so I don't know. They, they and I've heard to taste. put Dawn soap in it too. Yeah, I did that too. Yeah, like a little drop of Dawn soap. And I've done it and they, they do dive in there. So neem oil works too. I always spray down the dirt with neem oil. Um, I just buy the oil and mix it up. And you're not supposed to get it on your hands or in your eyes. Like it's not great for you. So I have to be careful again <laughs> with kids and dogs. Um, but it's organic. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but somewhere, some got in. Like I was staying on top of all of this and some somehow somebody laid eggs and they're not terrible it's just enough that i know they're here though like mm -hmm. i'd see them in the evenings when the lights start to when it's dark you know and like phones and tvs i see them kind of yeah go towards well, it. so i gotta get rid of it so that's this week of weird fungus gnat murderer yeah speaking of weird <laughs> things that our families have gotten used to during the quarantine like because our gnats are all around we just all understand that someone might come right in front of our face and just slap really yeah. loud at any time <laughs> And it's just like no one even asks anymore no. because we're always like smacking, smacking <laughs> these gnats all over the place. And we have no respect for each other's boundaries. So if I see mm -hmm. one, you know, or someone sees one by, by my face, it's just like, so. 
So what about you? What do you look listening and learning? I have learned a lot from you right now. Thank you very much. I've learned all about (laughs) my gnat issues. Um, So I am reading my first fiction book in ages for our book club, which is meeting next weekend. So I need to pick up the pace. Um, (laughs) But it's called The The Lost (laughs) Apothecary by Sarah Penner. Uh It's really good. It's this fun kind of a split timeline where they alternate the chapters where one of them is this Neela who's in 18th century. She's in London. She's an apothecary who specializes in making potions to kill dudes (laughs) Like, like bad guys. Well, not even bad guys, just guys that irritate their wives and stuff. I don't know that they're like clinically bad, but, um, and then the other uh, storyline is this lady, Caroline, um, who is in the present day and she's in London all by herself on her 10th anniversary because she just found out that her husband was having an affair and they were supposed to be going to London together, but she's like, why don't you stay home and I'll come here. Um, so I'm... I probably like a third of the way through. I don't know. I'm doing the audiobook, so who knows where I am. It could I could be done with the book or I could be ten percent of the way through. That um, always gets me when I'm like, how much more? I mean it'll tell you how much more, but I don't pay attention. I don't and pay all attention of a sudden, to be like, either. wait, the book ended. <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> so yeah, that might have a surprise today while I'm digging and then all of a sudden the book ends. But um but I'm so far I'm very much enjoying it. Um it's like a fast paced and exciting enough and fun characters, but you can also do it while you're walking the dog. I've been listening to so much nonfiction where mm-hmm. I feel like I can't do this while I walk the dog or multitask. I need to like really focus. Um, so yep. it's been a nice one that I can do if I'm driving or if I'm doing something else. And I don't feel like I'm missing something. Um, and then we've been watching Halston. I don't know how we I got it on the Netflix. Yes. Um, so, yes, I am. Since I can't quite describe it, I'm using the actual Netflix description of iconic <laughs> American fashion designer Halston skyrockets to fame before his life starts to spin out of control. Um, so it's Ewan McGregor as Halston. I love you. And, and I have no idea who this actress is. I looked up her name to give her cred, though. Her name is Krista Rodriguez. I don't know what else she's in. But she plays the most charming, lovable Liza Minnelli. Oh, and oh. I didn't realize what a... Well, I didn't realize anything about Halston because before this show, I'd given about two seconds of my life thinking... I, When I worked at Penny's, I feel like we had Halston suits or something <laughs> so so yeah he must have uh, kind of spun out of control because if he was at the jc penny's uh men's line um <laughs> but i did not realize what a fun part Austin dresses was. were like the thing right yeah and it's, it, it's super fun so far and really funny but i have a feeling that we're not quite to the part where things are spinning out of control mm-hmm. so right now it's very like light and he's on the way up and he's a little out there but it's just yeah it's been fun i don't know how we ended up on this it was one of those nights where we had to find something other than handmaid's tale because my husband only he's he has set a he's set a limit Mm -hmm. on how many we can watch a week nice see we told you we're gonna run you over we're totally gonna run over but i'm about to jump off because i have to you have to okay draw that boundary 
Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I didn't have a thing that I had to go to at a certain time, like I could sit here and talk all day. Like I know. Well, we got to do our official sign okay. out then since Missy's yes. going to leave us. Well, thank, thank you. you so much for coming on the show. I feel like we've got some really actionable stuff yes. we need to get doing. And for listeners who want to learn more and have a deeper discussion with you, please go to the show notes and make sure we link yeah. over to your website. And especially, you said that's the master workshop or what? master class. Is it a master yeah. class? Uh, masterclass <laughs> later in June. So yes, yeah, if you would June like 30th. to become a master, <laughs> get over to Morgan's website now. Yeah. Yeah. It was so nice <laughs> to talk to you, Morgan. Thank yes, you for being thank here. Thank you so much. I enjoyed right. it. Thank you. All we'll right. see you soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.